0: In an armament factory, as her part in the war effort, mostly on 12 hour shifts, either from 8 o'clock at night or 8 in the morning. Her friendship with Molly had sprung up when they were recruited at the same time into their war work Molly from a hairdresser's and Anna herself from a teacher's training college. Later, Molly had married Olaf Svensson, one of Johann's fellow pilots and his friend since their school days. During the Nazi occupation, and in spite of German posters warning that anyone attempting to leave Norway would be shot, the two young men had escaped together in a small fishing boat across the North Sea to the Shetlands. This had become such a popular route to freedom, despite the constant danger of Nazi attack from the air as well as by sea, that it had become known as the Shetland Bus. Many lost their lives on the way over, but the flow of escapees never stopped and in England, the numbers in the free royal Norwegian forces swelled daily. Molly's marriage to Olaf had taken place just two months before Anna's own to Johann. Her intention now was to stay a while with Molly and then try to see as much as possible of Johann's homeland before she returned to England. A smile touched the corners of her lips. On their first date after meeting, Johann had brought her a book entitled how to speak Norwegian in three months. He had told her later that he'd known from the first moment they'd met on the dance floor that he had found the girl with whom he wanted to spend the rest of his life. She did study the book now and again, but she'd had very little time for study, and he spoke English so fluently that learning Norwegian was something easily put aside for the future. Sadly, there was to be no future for them. The day before leaving home near Portsmouth, where she lived with her aunt, she'd gone back to the dance hall where she and Johan had met. In those days, with the invasion of the continent drawing near, there was a tremendous gathering of Allied forces in the south of England. As a result, there were always long lines of servicemen and women, American GIs and other nationalities among them, filing in to dance under a rotating sequin ball that had flashed multicoloured lights over the dancers. On the evening of her meeting with Johan, she had arrived at the dance hall with Molly, who would immediately been swept into jitterbugging with an American soldier, the two of them soon gaining applause. The band was playing Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade, when a tall Norseman loomed up in front of Anna, blue-eyed, handsome and fair-haired, a pilot's wings on his uniform, and, like all overseas troops, his nationality proclaimed on his shoulder-flashes, Norway. "'Would you like to dance?' he asked with a bow. Later she was to discover that Norwegian men took bowing as a matter of common politeness— but that evening she was further enchanted by his courtesy and seemed to melt into his arms as he swept her into the dancing. Standing nostalgically outside the closed and deserted dance hall, already in the clothes in which she would be travelling, these were poignant moments of intense memory. Then, full of heartache, she'd gone home to label her suitcases and make ready to leave. Her Aunt Evelyn was waiting for her in the hall when she came downstairs. She was an embittered woman, having lost her husband in the First World War, but she had taken care of Anna after her mother had died soon after she was born, and later when her father had been killed in an accident at work. Never demonstrative, Aunt Evelyn submitted to a farewell kiss on the cheek, but pushed away an embrace. Well, off you go, Anna. Why, you couldn't have married an Englishman, I do not know. She shook her head disapprovingly. Then there would have been no gadding off to a foreign country, which you will either like or hate on sight, most probably the latter. Then you'll be glad to come home. At least, she added acidly, those foreigners will be able to see you coming in that coat. It was scarlet in colour. Anna had bought it from a war bride going to the United States, who was confident that she would get lots of new clothes there. In spite of her aunt's dislike of anything that was not sombre in hue, Anna knew the colour suited her. She patiently ignored the barbed remark as she had learned to do with many other such taunts over the years. Now here she was on board ship, seeing Johann's country for the first time. It would not be a case of liking or hating it.